I've been thinking about that calm. There's like an, uh, an ineffable sense of calm that I feel is an essential part of being an everyday accompaniment to the ball game. I got, I got to feel like, ah, here I am. And of course you get it with certain old school broadcasters. Hell, I, I learned it listening to Harry Callis on 1210 WCAU in Philly. Um, I didn't realize that's what I was getting, but man, just the low hum that obviously we missed in the pandemic and just the voice. And maybe you could hear the Paul Malls burning in the ashtray. It's possible that I also heard that. But that calm is, it's, what is it? It's tone, it's pace. Is it rhythm? Because you have that sense of calm, even if you say a lot, because you're thoughtful and you're curious and you talk about stuff and you go where the brain goes and goes where the conversation goes. But how do you maintain that calm and what do you think it is? Yeah, it's over the course of doing a lot of radio games first, but realizing that you can only say one thing at a time. Your brain is not really wired to talk about four things happening in front of you all at the same time. And I think one of the things that people do when they start doing games, and I certainly did, is that I was seeing a whole bunch of actions all together at once. And I was thinking that if I don't say it all right now, I'm going to lose it. So one of the really small things that I like to do every once in a while, just to remember that I can do this, I'll think of something in game and I'll write it down next to me because I need to remind myself that it doesn't have to happen right now. What just crossed my synapses doesn't have to go now. All that means is I thought of it, right? There is a better place for it, almost guaranteed. And so I think the sense of calm comes from knowing that I'm not gonna lose the thread, knowing that there will be time. There's a, uh, there's a Family Guy parody of a Twilight Zone episode at the end of an episode of Family Guy where Peter's got like one brain cell left, right? And the brain cell falls and breaks his glasses. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's got a book and he goes, no, there was time now. Oh, that's so and, good. And that's, that's kind of how I feel is that there really is always time. People say, don't tell stories with two strikes and two outs. I don't know. We'll get back to it the next half inning. I think that's a level of rigidity we don't need to have because we'll make a joke out of it or a bit out of it. Like, well, we walked right into the wall again back after this. Wow. Oh, I love that. Um, so were you the kid like I was watching Naked Gun when the actor who was also in the Twilight Zone book, uh, Twilight Zone episode, To Serve Man, he's there's a moment, I think it's the end of Naked Gun, where because it's him the whole time, but for whatever reason, they, they they decide to do this reference. There's chaos at the end of the movie, and he walks up to Leslie Nielsen, he grabs him, and he says, it's a cookbook! It's a cookbook! Which is his line that reveals the, the, the plot of To Serve Man. But the fact that they just threw that in for the four or five people in the audience who might have known, mwah, that's chef's kiss. Yeah, I mean, you dream of that kind of reference. You make it all the time, frankly. Yeah, well, yeah, it's why I was really frustrated with the final season of Lost on ABC is because they had all of these nuggets that I was following along with mm. and then they never did anything with them. Yeah, it's the opposite of that. It's a way to get a whole populace angry at you because the yes. first couple seasons of Lost, I think, were killer. 
but then they never used any of the Easter eggs. It was like the basket was empty for no reason. I, I referred to that to a friend of mine as a narrative Ponzi scheme. <laughs> it, it was it's lost was a narrative Ponzi scheme. It and, was. Yeah, Nobody right, ever gets paid. He was an improv guy. Uh, Joe Bill, he still teaches improv all around the world. He said, oh, I'm stealing that. I owe you a beer. And he still owes me a beer. So here's here's a thought that I had that I think you will you will uh, um, understand. Hopefully it resonates. Play by play is art, right? It's writing. It is creativity, but it is truly as close to living in the moment as maybe any form of creativity that I can think of. It is it is so close to actually mindfully being present and yet it's still art, if that makes sense. And I think that's part of the draw for me. Yeah, it's immediate, right? It's it's immediate. You color once and that's it, right? And so that part of it is really interesting. I, I have a former classmate of mine from high school, from HF, named Patrick Bringley. And Patrick just did a book, a memoir of sorts, called All the Beauty in the World. He uh, grew up a fan of art and he ended up losing his brother at a pretty young age. They were in their 20s and his brother uh, passes away and Patrick decided to go become a security guard at the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. And he has the job for more than a decade and he wrote a book about how it sort of helped him heal from the loss of his brother. So I ended up back in contact with Patrick, who is a wonderful guy, and I totally recommend the book. I think it's a phenomenal read. But uh, I was texting with Patrick because there's some thought in the book. There's some uh, aside that he has about collaborative art, about people working together on some art piece. Right. It's normally just, you know, this is a Manet and this is a Monet and all that stuff. Right. And we got into this text thread about. Uh, play-by-play and kind of what it's like in the art world. Because when you have a sporting event that's on TV, the athlete does the thing, right? But the way it's consumed is with our audio track as well. So we are unwitting collaborators on that moment. And that's why I think it's so important to us to get it right and to say something that does justice to the moment, because it's a little bit like dumping red paint on an already masterpieced item. If you do it wrong, you can also enhance it so much. And Patrick actually uh, described what we do as those little placards underneath the painting. Yes. If you do them right, you can really add a lot of detail and information to the person viewing it. That's beautiful. Yeah, for the last month, I've kind of been processing that, or three weeks or so since we had the conversation. I've kind of been processing that, but I think it's a really interesting comparison because it's kind of what we do, right? Uh We're adding detail to something that the players, they have no control over what we do, and we have no control over what they do. But if we work together and it sort of enmeshes, it is a marvelous thing. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Um, yeah, you're adding context and you're adding you're adding detail and history. And but you're also adding your personality, which is why you have to make sure not to be too big or too wacky or to break out into song, you know, just to make. Well, although actually, now that I'm thinking about it, but just it, you don't want to distract from the magic of the moment. The game is the star. We're all there for the game and, and the game is the star. Um 
you know, it, it, it's really interesting because it's it's more constant than the placard or than the art um, voiceover uh, on on the tracks as you walk around. You're there the whole time. You are the guide in all of those moments. You have to alert people constantly. This might be a moment. So thank God for the construct of the inning and the pitch and, you know, those things. It really does set you up for mindfully. Here's my moment to collaborate in that way. Yeah. And you, you but you always have to thinking about what don't I know? Right. Like what what isn't hitting me at this moment? What can I go find out tomorrow? What is yeah. making this moment more interesting in the dugout than we even know? Mm-hmm. You know, there's always another, there's always a second layer of like why somebody's frustrated, why somebody's laughing, why all that is happening. And that's why the research interpersonally is so important because if you don't do that, it'll just be another, uh, another sort of facsimile of another painting. 